Hey, everybody. How goes it? Today is Friday, March 3rd, 2017. I uh, I shared the date with you this morning because uh, it's, I don't know, some significance to me. Because today is the day that the Nintendo Switch is released. And my son, Sammy, and I, we have saved up our money uh, so that uh, we could order the Switch. We actually ordered it back in January, but we saved up our money so that we could uh, get the Nintendo Switch most of you who are listening to this are like, why do we care? But I'm just telling you because, you know, it's one of those things that you uh, live vicariously through your kids. And when they get excited about something, you get excited about something. So anyway, some point today, I've been tracking my email, the UPS uh, updates, the Nintendo Switch will show up at our doorstep. Of course, we didn't, uh, we didn't have any money to buy games. So we're going to have a console with no games. So there you go. But also today, uh, our guest... Josh Blakesley is going to be releasing a new project, and we had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to catch up with Josh, and uh, we got a heads-up preview, got a chance to listen to it, and talk a little bit about uh, what he's put together here with the massive restoration. And uh, from a songwriting perspective, I think it's interesting to be able to talk with an artist who's got to work within some very specific constraints. And uh, as you listen, you'll understand that, uh, especially as an individual writing for the Catholic Mass, man, those are some of the most specific constraints that you can work under. And uh, I think artists who work under constraints, we often find are the most creative and have to be the most creative because they are working with a very limited palette. I also think it's good for us to be aware of who our audience is when we are creating. And in this case, Josh is working with a very specific audience in mind, and that also helps to shape what the final work is going to be. Anyway, a fun conversation with Josh. Hope you enjoy it. Good chatting with you, and uh, maybe next time we get together, I'll tell you how the Switch is. I might even have a game for it. Take care. Frequency.fm presents The Amped Interview. Good morning, everybody. Our good friend, Josh Blakesley, singer-songwriter, has a, a new project on the horizon, and we were given the opportunity to uh, to chat with him about it and share it with you before it's available to everybody. Josh, it was about a year ago since uh, we chatted, but welcome back. It's good to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. Great to be back. I, probably the most important thing for me to ask, like right out of the gate, what's the name of the project? And maybe give us a quick overview of what it represents. Yeah. Well, this project is a mass setting. And so uh, the name of it is Massive Restoration. Um, and that title, uh, it, it, these, these mass settings were written. I, I wrote these with, um, with my guitar player, uh, Gray McCullough. And uh, Gray and I set out when the mass parts changed about five years ago um, to, uh, to write a new setting because we knew everything was going to be changing. And lots of, lots of musicians and, and Catholic songwriters did the same thing. Uh, when those, when those, uh, mass parks changed, they said, okay, the church is going to need new settings. Um, and we were no different. We, we wanted something to, specifically for our parish that we could learn, uh, quickly and that, that the parish could learn quickly and, um, and that we could start playing, pretty much immediately when, you know, in November when those parts changed. Um, and so we really, you know, in terms of naming it, the name of our parish is Our Lady of Prompt Sucker. 
and that's the way we say it. It's actually prompt secours French from uh, Louisiana, <laughs> French heritage. Uh, but but we're all hillbilly, so we say prompt sucker. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> we didn't want to na- we didn't want to name it that. We felt like that title was a little bit long and was going to be hard for people who didn't have that uh, Louisiana French heritage <laughs> right, to fall right. back on. Uh, and so we started looking at, you know, how do we want to, how do we want to approach the title of this and what, what is it about? And, and several things came to mind, you know, I mean, uh, it was a time of restoration, I think for the church to be re re looking at the, at the liturgy and the language. And I think the church was, you know, was trying to visit renewal. And, uh, I mean, we always are, but specifically through the language of the church and, um, and so we, uh, I also, we had just come out with an album and one of the songs in the album was called Restored. And that was really on our hearts, that idea of, of God trying to make us new and restore us. Yeah. Um, and so this, so, so we decided on the name Massive Restoration and, um, and, and the rest is kind of, uh, a, a long five year history, um, of, of coming out with, with these parts. Now, I remember um, gosh, it was about like, when, when it was a year ago, hearing um, something, whether it was from you or from uh, Rebecca, who nobody who's listening has any idea who is, but um, <laughs> uh, that you were working on uh, the mass parts or, uh, or liturgy. Now, I'm going to ask an ignorant question, and I'm going to ask it for myself, but, but, but it's also for the audience. So um, when you say that there were changes um, to, to the mass parts of the liturgy, can you give us maybe a little background of what that what that represents for for folks who maybe didn't grow up uh, or aren't part of the um, the Catholic experience? Let's say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's a great. I mean, that's a great question because I, I think within with, even within the Catholic Church there there was a lot of question and speculation about why why is this necessary? I mean, you know, uh, even for me, having grown up Catholic, it was like, okay, well, we've been saying it this way for you know as long as I can remember, and and I don't, you know, why, why do we need to change it? What is it? And part of it, I think comes from, um, that idea of renewal and, and how can we, how can we go back to the original language, the Latin, the Greek, and look at that and go, okay, what, what about this can be closer to the original number one? And number two, how can it, um, how can it enhance our worship? How can we, how can we look at this language differently to where it's more meaningful every time we repeat these words? Yeah. Um, and I think we get, you know, we get, we get stuck in a routine. I think Catholics especially, especially kind of get a, a, a reputation for, uh, for being monotonous and, and stuck to the routine and a little bit robotic because of, you know, kneel, sit, stand. And we have these, these responses that we say every single week. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think the the belief is um, that that it is the ability to say those prayers as community and as one body um, that that really leads to uh, to unity in, in the church, unity as Christians, and um, and God hears those corporate prayers. I think, uh, and so I think all of the combined was the idea of you know looking going back to that that ancient liturgy and, and that ancient language and going how can we how can we renew this how can we restore it. Um, and how can it be? How can it bless God more?
Certain prayers of, especially for me growing up in the Catholic Church, certain prayers of the Catholic liturgy are so ingrained in your head, so ingrained in our uh, experience of worship. Um, I imagine from a songwriting perspective, it's got to be very challenging to create unique melodies that still present um, the appropriate reverence, and uh, but then be something fresh for those people who are leading worship. How is the songwriting process for you different as you're approaching this from maybe just traditional songwriting? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, th- so so here's the deal with, with the liturgy. I mean, obviously, they put so much time and attention and effort into these, uh, into the language. You, as a songwriter, you're not allowed, as a, cast, you know, as a songwriter for liturgy, you're not allowed to change that text in any way. Right. Uh, so essentially, you know, when I'm writing a song that comes from my heart or comes from scripture or whatever, I can, I can manipulate the lyric a little bit to fit the melody. I can, I can repeat or I can change or I can, you know, add and the, or, you know, whatever I need to fit the melody. Yeah. But when you're writing verbatim, when you're writing, holy, 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 all, all of those, those lyrics have to go, they have to fit the melody. So essentially you're trying to fit the melody to the lyric as opposed to vice versa, right. uh, trying to fit a loop into a melody. So it, so it was challenging for, from the very beginning. I mean, it, it was a challenging uh, from the outset to try and write something fresh and contemporary that's going to like, that's going to bless the church, that's going to be singable for the church. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, the last thing we wanted to do is create a song or a, ser- a set of songs that nobody was able to sing. So, you know, we didn't want to make it too rangy. We didn't, Make want to make it too syncopated. So there's, you know, there are all of those thoughts going in, just pouring into um, how you approach this text that that's already here. It's verbatim. We can't change it, um, and still make a melody that's um, that's singable and, and appropriate. So with that perspective, I'm I'm curious. Like, are you writing this for a a, a specific audience? I mean, who um, who who's gonna, who receives the uh, these mass parts? Um, well, w- what we're trying to do with this particular project, this, this is, this project is, uh, we recorded it acoustic. So this is an acoustic session project. Right. When we wrote the map, we wrote it for a full, uh, you know, for it to be orchestrated completely. So piano, I wrote it on piano. Um, I have always envisioned it with choir strings, um, guitar, bass, drums, um, even a horn section, you know, all of those things, uh, that are appropriate for liturgy, uh, to be, you know, completely used in this, in this setting. And so it can be used that way. We do it that way on Sundays, you know, every Sunday we do it that way. But this particular, uh, recording, we decided to focus on the, uh, because we do a lot of summer camps. I do a lot of summer camps uh, during the summer. And, and I find myself so often with an acoustic guitar and my voice trying to lead a group of teens or a group of young adults into worship um, or, you know, through a, a mass, through the music for mass. Right. And, uh, and, and I'm having to choose between a series of mass parts that don't really work with my acoustic guitar. And I'm trying my best to try to figure it. And I know there's so many acoustic players that are in that, Position and so we really tried to gear this toward uh, toward those players and um, I don't think that's been done. That was something uh, Tom Booth is a good friend of ours. He he 
uh, was instrumental in kind of coming up with this idea, you know, how do we, how do we approach this mass setting in a unique way? Um, and that was something that we were talking about. Like, I don't think that's been done before, you know, like a completely acoustic mass that's set for acoustic players that you can do with one acoustic guitar and one voice, or you can bring the whole band in and do it, uh, do it that way. So, so that's kind of the intent. Uh, this is not necessarily a CD or a, or a series of songs that you want to put in the car and that you're going <laughs> to listen to on the way to work. Maybe, I mean, maybe if you just love the liturgy, you know, maybe that's what you do, but but this is more, I think, for for uh, the listeners of this project are are the musicians. They're the they're the folks that are going to play mu- music for mass, um, that are going to you know sing in the choir maybe and uh, things like that. Having said that, though, Joe, I mean, these if if you are uh, just a, a regular goer to um, to a, a Methodist church or a Presbyterian or Lutheran, any kind of liturgical based, um, uh, faith, then, you know, even if you're just sitting in the pews, I mean, you can take this to your music director and go, Hey, these are kind of cool. We should try these. Uh, and they'll fit, they'll fit in that setting as well. Yeah. I think it's important for folks to recognize that even in, you know, my non-denominational church, there's aspects of liturgy that are built into that. Uh, you know, tradition is, um, an important aspect, I think, of of reverence, not necessarily um, being hung up on it, but but to to bring that in, that reflection, um, and, and there's truth when you're when you're singing. For me, what I remember, you know, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, yeah. and Holy, Holy, Holy. These are these are things that are true, and they're prayers. And, and so they, they're not necessarily tied to a specific denomination or shouldn't be if, um, if we, people are viewing them that right. way. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you. One of the things that I picked up on as I listened to it, by the way, a little bit of a departure was there are, um, there's a, like a common musical theme throughout the project that you continue to reference. Mm-hmm. And, and my question is, and perhaps asking this out of ignorance, is was this a convention of writing for the Mass, or was it the idea that you wanted to bring in this um, this musical theme uh, and have it run throughout the project? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, I mean, historically in music, there has been the motif that, you know, that return to some set, section, yeah. segment of music where, uh, you know, that's familiar, you know, and, and I think in modern music, you know, we call that the chorus or the refrain now. Um, with mass parts, you don't really have the option to, to go back to a chorus or to go back to a refrain. Um, right. Except with the glory. I mean, there's, there's some, there's some liberty there. I mean, you, a lot of people repeat the first line of the Gloria as a, as a refrain, but it tends to make it a little bit long. So we did not do that with this setting. Um, and so in order to, in order to kind of, keep the ear uh, of the listener kind of in that contemporary kind of fresh uh, setting, we decided to create that motif so that even within the songs, you'll hear, uh, you'll hear something that 
some sort of melody, a piano melody or a guitar melody or something that, well, in these settings, guitar melody that goes, goes back to that same motif and, and kind of creates a familiarity. Um, and then from song to song, we tried to at least incorporate just little pieces of that same melody throughout every song on the, in the setting so that it makes sense as one whole piece, because it is, it's, it's a prayer, the whole thing, the whole mass is a prayer and it's supposed to be connected in that way. And, uh, so we really, we wanted to do that, um, you know, in a meaningful way. So, Oh, I think you were very successful as I listened to it with my headphones on, uh, it just feels uh, like it washes over you. It's very gentle. It's very, uh, it's very worshipful. Even, even if all you're doing, uh, is listening to that, uh, for personal worship, uh, it transports you to a place of peace, uh, that feels worshipful. Um, and it's beautifully recorded. It really is a, a lovely recording of music. Thank you. Thank you very much for saying that. Well, uh, otherwise I'd be a jerk, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we worked hard on that. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, well, so just as we're kind of wrapping up, a couple of things I wanted to, to touch base on. If I want to purchase this and along with the other resources that come with it, where's the right place to go? Yeah. Um, well, this uh, this setting is only going to be released digitally, so it'll be on um, iTunes and and all the your your favorite digital music distributor. It'll be on all this Amazon, uh, Google, et cetera, et cetera. Um, OCP is the publisher. Oregon Catholic Press is the publisher um, out there in Portland, where you are. Um, and, I know them very well. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, so they'll have the sheet music and the charts and uh, the lead sheets. All of that stuff will be available on their website. Uh, we're going to uh, try to make the the audio at least available on our website as well, possibly the sheet music as well on our on our website. And so uh, yeah, so lots of different places uh, that you that it'll be available. All right, I'll make sure that um, we include a couple of links for folk, uh, and maybe if I'm feeling ambitious, um, I'll pull in some of the um, sample music so people can get a taste of what that sounds like. And I think uh, hearing hearing that music and how um, how lovely it is and how uh, well it's created, I think that will lend people to um, to be very interested in, in checking out the project. And one thing we haven't shared with people is uh, when is this actually available to them? Uh, March third, I believe, is the um, is the go to date that we're we're expecting it all to be available. Uh, yeah, on March third, so we're excited about that. Excellent. I very much enjoyed listening to it, and actually, I'm thinking about going back to my desk and and pulling it back up again because it's been about a week since I listened to it. Okay. Um, but great work. I really appreciate what you're doing, and anything that um, continues to keep the the church relevant as well as um, reverent is something that I think is a worthwhile effort. So I, I want to affirm you for your great work. Thank you so much. So yeah, absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. Frequency.fm is a podcast featuring Christian artists, authors, creatives, and experts. For more music reviews, book reviews, and articles, please visit us at Frequency.fm. Frequency.fm.